Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Happy for our guest with us today, appreciative that you're here, want you always to feel welcome here. And as I oftentimes say, if you've been here once, then you're really not a guest anymore. We just count you as family. We claim you as such. Amen. If you'll turn to 2 Samuel chapter 18, just another thank you. Just thank you, thank you. Thank you today. I appreciate everybody's prayers uh, during general conference. And I think Bishop shared with you that the Lord gave me direction the day before uh, in a just a great nice way i appreciated the lord on that amen but i appreciate everybody's prayers i felt totally comfortable and at ease as a matter of fact i had a pastor friend of mine from the state of indiana after it was all said and done said man you were awfully comfortable up there tonight i said well i had my, my church family back home uh were praying for me and i felt that was uh, a result of that and so i appreciate you amen for that for the prayers and positive feedback back throughout our organization uh, concerning what the lord spoke to them on that first night and so I'm comforted by that as well, amen, to just somehow breathe a little bit of wind back into somebody's cells that's involved in ministry, amen, and appreciate the Lord for that. Going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 18, and uh, I want to begin with verse number 9. Actually, I just got two verses of scripture I'm going to read, verse number 9 and verse number 14, here in the same chapter, here in the same chapter. The Bible says, and Absalom met the servants of David. And Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak. And he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. Verse 14, between verse 9 and verse 14, Joab is having dialogue with another soldier. And so in verse 14, the Bible says, Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. He's speaking to this other soldier. And he, that is Joab, took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. Verse 9, Absalom's head caught hold of an oak. Verse 14, Absalom thrust or rather, Joab thrust three darts through the heart of Absalom while he was yet hanging there, still yet alive. This morning, I, I, I want, I'm going to entitle it this and subtitle it. What I have here before me is not what I gave Brother Zach, but I really didn't know what direction to go with or call this. So I'm going to call it, what did I call it? Head caught, heart fought, head caught. Heart thought as a subtitle, thinking but undecided. Thinking but undecided. Head caught. Heart thought. Hallelujah. Let's ask God to help us here in the next few moments. Father, I love you today. God, I appreciate you this morning. God, this group of people, Lord, that have come here today. God, we do pray, Lord, for those that are traveling, Lord Jesus, in. God, their vacation times, Lord, that you would keep your hand of protection upon them. We pray, Lord, today for visitation of your spirit in this place. 
I pray, oh God, that you're able, Lord, to convey, Lord, through your word, Lord, through this messenger of clay, God, who, God, to these people, Lord, what may need to be heard, Lord, today, in this hour, in this moment, God will not fail, Lord Jesus, to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. Head caught, heart fought. Our lives are inundated with thoughts. If visual and auditory, auditory media do not provoke our thinking, then the natural state of our brains does. Researchers say that the average person has about 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts each day. This means 35 to 48 thoughts per minute per person. So I guess someone really can be lost in their thoughts. We ponder, consider, think, evaluate, judge, contemplate constantly. Our minds are at work creating thoughts. Many of our thoughts will never materialize. But every action of our lives was formerly a thought. Some thoughts are silly. You've had those. Some are unrealistic. We've had those as well. Others, though, are contrived from the influences of our immediate environment, our immediate surroundings. There are fleeting thoughts. You know, it says, well, it was just a fleeting thought. There are fleeting thoughts, but then there are those ideas that could potentially be life-altering if we were to follow through with them. The impact of a solitary thought is so imposing that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Oftentimes in the Bible, the mind is described as alienated, loosed, disjointed. It's been termed a doubtful mind, a carnal mind, or a double mind. Other places of Scripture is depicted as being hardened, talked of as the vanity of their mind. Leprosy in the book of Leviticus, which was related to sin, was commonly found to occur on the head of an individual. So it's no surprise then that the anointing oil also was typically poured upon there as well. That being said, it's with good reason for us to have a renewing of the mind. To have the mind of Christ, a putting on, if you will, of the helmet of salvation upon our heads. And although the seed may be conceived in our mind, the thought may be conceived in our mind, the baby is born from the heart. The Bible says, Jesus speaking in Mark 7 and verse number 20, the Bible says, he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, 
lasciviousness, an evil eye, blaspheming, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. They come out of the heart of man. Doctors say it's about 18 inches from your brain, your head, to your heart. And most of us has been taught in school as we have grown up that the heart seems to be constantly responding to the orders that are sent by our minds or the orders that are sent by our brain. However, it's not as commonly known, though, that the heart actually sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. Dr. David Patterson, he's a professor of Oxford University, he says the brain is made up of billion of neurons, which in turn affects and speaks to the heart. Neurons are nothing more but what allows your brain or your mind to form thoughts. He says, but there is a patch of 10,000 neurons along the right ventricle surface of the heart that is known as the heart's little brain. He says, there's still much unknown about these neurons upon the heart. He said, but one thing is sure. He says, the brain in your heart communicates back and forth with the brain in your head, meaning that your heart is not enslaved to the brain in your head, but the brain that's in the heart can make some decisions too. So there is a physiological truth when the Bible says in Proverbs 23, for as he thinketh in his heart, not in his brain, but for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If any one of us today was given a glimpse into another's brain, I know that's scary, but if we were to be given a glimpse into another's brain today, I believe we would be somewhat appalled about the activity that's going on in each other's brain. Because there among the recesses of that gray matter we call the brain lie both good thoughts and bad thoughts. There within our brains any given day are thoughts of jealousy, thoughts of pride, thoughts of lust, thoughts of envy, thoughts of perversion and greed and hate, all residing there within our minds at one time or another. But similarly in that brain are thoughts of compassion, thoughts of love, thoughts of concern, thoughts of sympathy and hope. They all thrive there as well. And the apostle Paul, understanding the gamut of all these thoughts of the human mind, he was compelled in Philippians 4 and 8 to write these words, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Some thoughts blindside us and come out of nowhere. And yet we have the ability either to sustain the life of that thought or lay that thought to rest. And Paul was telling the church at Philippi, he says, take control. Think on these things. Do it on purpose. Can someone say amen? But in our scripture setting today, like every other person, Absalom had made his share of mistakes in his lifetime. And though we may estimate our mistakes in comparison to his far below, we still, all of us, have made several mistakes of our own. Nobody, said in the sound of my voice, has been exempt from making a mistake. 
Absalom, according to the word of God, took justice in his own hands. And he would plot for two years the murder of his half-brother, Amnon. He, Absalom, would deceitfully undermine his king, who was also his father. And he would wrestle the throne from his king, his father. Now, in our scripture setting, Absalom is entering a civil war, if you will, against his own daddy. And he's in a civil war among a wooded area that's very treacherous. It's an unforgiving landscape. The terrain that he is fighting in and among is more of a threat to him than the fighters that he's fighting within that woods. In so much that the scripture says the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. But if we were to look at the tombstone of Absalom, the epitaph that's written there is not this. His head caught hold of the oak. But rather while in that vulnerable position of his head being caught in the oak, someone thrust three darts through his heart. Amen. Joab, see him hanging there, took three darts and put it through his heart. It was a merciless killing. Absalom could not do anything about what was taking place. And Joab merciless killed Absalom. He thrust three darts through his heart. Amen. While the Bible says, and it says emphatically, that Absalom was yet alive. He was yet alive. His head was caught. His head caught hold, the Bible says, of a tree, of an oak. His head caught hold of something, but he was yet alive. That had not killed him at that stage. It only immobilized him. Someone say amen. It only immobilized him. His head caught hold of something, and it immobilized him for a moment, but he was yet alive. The story of his life wasn't finished. It wasn't over. It wasn't, it wasn't the end of the road. Still, something could have been done. Something could have happened. I come on this Sunday morning. I ask us a question this morning, folks. Why are we willing to allow our thoughts to become our pallbearers? What I'm saying is this, there's nobody sitting in the sound of my voice today that have not succumbed to thoughts, amen, that are not good thoughts, that have not succumbed to thoughts that have been evil or wicked, thoughts of greed, thoughts of lust, thought of deceit, that's entered our mind, but there's no reason why that that thought has to be your death sentence. There's no reason why those thought processes of your mind, amen, have to be your death sentence. They may immobilize you, but they don't have to massacre you. They... What are you saying this morning to me? I'm saying I believe there's people that are held captive by their thoughts. They're held captive by the thoughts. There's people that come in on Sunday mornings. There's people that come in off the streets into the church, and they feel like that they are already a done deal. They feel like, if you will, the period has already been put on the end of their sentence. They feel like they might as well go on and order the flowers and pick out the casket for their life spiritually because they have too many negative, bad, wicked, amen, unwholesome thoughts in their mind. Amen. They think that it's the end for them. But I'm here to tell you, while they're hanging there, while they're mind and head is caught by something there is still life in them there is still life in those thoughts may trip us up and they may sidetrack us at time amen but please don't 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 let a wavering thought become the last nail if you will in the coffin for you or anyone else
because according to all the multitude, 50 to 70,000, according to all the multitude of thoughts that pass through our mind on any given day, we're all prone to our heads, so to speak, being caught by something. Our thoughts going down roads and paths that they need not go. I've got angry in my mind before and chewed somebody out and they never knew it. Amen. I've looked upon a maiden with my eyes and seen and lust entered and thought entered my mind, but nothing was acted upon. Someone say amen. You can't tell me. I'm human flesh. You can't tell me. Out of the 50 to 70,000 thoughts you have every day, every one of them is pure. Every one of them is righteous. Every one of them is smiled upon by the throne room of God. I'm telling you this morning, we all stand here today guilty that our thoughts sometimes have wavered. Our thoughts sometimes have went down roads that they should have never went down. But that is no reason to throw in the towel. That is no reason to give up. That is no reason to say for me to say against you or you to say against yourself. It's over. I can't do this. You can. You can. We live in a society. Our terrain as Absalom's was. We are in a very dangerous, dangerous territory right here. Amen. Dangerous. You'll find yourself as a Christian. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you'll find yourself even sometimes as a Christian starting to contemplate everything that you've ever been taught by the church. Amen. You'll, you'll contemplate whether or not you're saved or not. You'll contemplate whether or not you spoke in tongues when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, you'll contemplate whether or not there really is a heaven. Amen. Or a hell to shun. You'll contemplate whether or not this thing called righteous living, whether or not that's all it's cracked up to be or not. You'll have those thoughts that go through your mind. Amen. And at moments in our heads, we're caught by such things. We're caught by lust. We're caught by hate. And we're caught by confusion. But just because you or your head has been caught by any of those things, it does not mean game over, instantaneous death for you. Now, a thought may immobilize you. You might pause. You might hesitate. You might consider for a moment. But it's not necessarily... You're in. It's only when there is harmony between the head and the heart that real issues are given birth to. Only when the brain in your heart is in agreement with the brain in your head that real issues are given birth to. I don't know, according to the record of Scripture, I don't know how many people died like Absalom because their head caught hold of a tree. Evidently, they had to die some way that the wood would devour more than the people devoured. So it might have been a common occurrence for a man's head if he was riding on a mule to get caught by a tree. I don't know how many people died like Absalom, heads catching hold of trees. But please note, again, the initial response, the initial writing of Scripture that that initial catch did not kill Absalom. 
Amen. Just as Abimelech, the Bible speaks in the Old Testament of Judges 9, speaks of a man by the name of Abimelech whose head, whose stall was injured. The Bible says that it was even broken by a millstone, but that's not what killed him. He had to be finished off whenever he had an armor bearer come and thrust him through and pierce his heart. A, a, a wound to the head didn't kill him, but it was a death wound to the heart that killed him. As a matter of fact, after the battle of Mount Gilboa where Saul and his son Jonathan lost their lives, the Bible says they were having a competition between 12 men of Abner's army and 12 men of Joab's army. They were going to engage in a personal battle, the 12 against the 12, to decide a conflict, to bring a remedy to a conflict. And the Bible said when these 12 and 12 got together, they caught every man in his fellow by the head. But that didn't bring a decision. That's not what brought a decision to the 24 that were gathered together that day. The Bible says they then each thrust their sword through the rib in order to puncture the heart. What I'm trying to convey this morning is this. Just because you have a stray thought, that does not have to determine. That does not have to determine your success or failure of living for the Lord. It takes more, it will take more than a stray thought to somehow get you out of the purpose and the plan of God. Someone say amen. So here's Absalom, he's caught in the tree. If any died, if any died that day because their head caught a oak or their head caught a tree, I would presume this morning it was because they remain there caught. Absalom was still alive after his head was caught. I would presume if anybody died because their head got caught, it would be because they remained in that position of their head being caught. For that matter, we have no record how many heads were caught by a tree that survived that day. We don't, we, it talks about many that were slain, but we don't know how many were in the same predicament as Absalom was, but somebody helped them down, helped them out of the tree, and they walked off the battlefield that day with their life intact. Someone say amen. I don't know if some of them had the ability that they were caught in such a way they could get leverage with their hands, pull themselves up from the fork of a tree and get down by themselves. Perhaps there were others that had fellow soldiers that came along and said, look, there's old Joe. He's strung up there in the tree by his head. Why don't we help him down and get him up out of that situation and walk away with his life still intact? Because, folks, it would be a travesty. It would be a tragedy to assume because a person's head was caught they could not survive or because their head was caught they could not be made free I understand we come in here can I have a little bit more monitor I understand that we come in here today and sometimes we come in here and our thoughts are everywhere but church our thoughts are not in praise our thoughts are not in worship our thoughts are our thoughts is this I got here they're everywhere but church but honey I'm not going to stand up here and see you caught by your head 
and say, you know what? It's fine. I might as well get out the attendance chart and mark their name off because I can see that they have some straying thoughts. I can see that they're walking down paths and alleys in their mind that they need not to go, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take three darts and put it through your heart. I'm going to say, you know what? Let's see what we can do to get their head uncaught. Let's see what we can do. Let's see if I can be Apostle Paul of my generation and say whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are a good report, what think of these. Before Joab came in contact with Absalom with his head caught. Another man had spied Absalom with his head caught. And when this other certain soldier found Absalom with his head caught, he finally goes to, 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 to Joab and he approaches Joab with what he saw. He says, Joab, over here in this area, in a tree, Samps, or Absalom's head is caught in an oak. Joab is puzzled. Joab isn't quite getting it. He says, Absalom's head is caught in a tree. That, that other soldier says, yes, sir, it is. He says, then why in the world didn't you kill him? See, we have a condition here. A man is caught by his head in a tree. One sees him and does nothing about it. The other, when he learns that the other had seen him, he says, why didn't you kill him? The certain man's response was very honorable and respective of the king's request whenever they all left for battle the day prior. That young man in 2 Samuel 18, 12 says this to Joab. The man said unto Joab, he said, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver, because Joab told this young man, he said, If you would have killed him, I'd have given you this, this, and this. If you had just killed him while his head was caught there in that tree, if you'd have killed him. And this man says, I don't care what you'd have given. He says, A thousand shekels of silver in my hand. He says, Yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. Because we got to get things right here. Absalom wasn't just David's son. He was David the king's son. This just wasn't some boy's, some father's boy. This was the king's boy. He says, I don't care what you've given me. I'm not laying my hand on the king's son. I know he's in a compromising position right there. I know his head's been caught right there. But I'm not going to lay a finger on the king's son. He said, I'm not going to lay a hand on the king's son. Look at it now. He says, for an hour. Everybody say hour. 
He says, for in our hearing, meaning I heard it just the same as you heard it. Amen, Joab. In our hearing, the king, who is the, who is the father of the son, the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, beware that none touch the young man Absalom. As a matter of fact, if you back up the verse 5 of that chapter, these were the actual words of King David. He said, deal, deal gently. He said, for my sake, with the young man, even with Absalom. Someone say amen. You know what's David saying? David the king, the one that's father to this boy Absalom that has his head, amen, that's caught, amen, the king is saying, listen, if anybody should have any reason to want this boy dead, he said, I should, amen, that son of mine killed another son of mine, that son of mine took the life of one of my other sons, so if anybody would want him dead, it should be me, he said, that boy there that's caught by his head up there, if anybody should want him dead, I should, he's the one that tried to take my throne, usurp my throne and take my throne away from me so if anybody should want him dead then I should want him dead but there's something about that certain soldier that understood the heart of the king amen he understood the heart of the king he knew hey listen if we even see Absalom amen caught by his head in something that's putting him in a compromising position between heaven and between earth we gotta deal gently with him for the king's sake someone say amen we got to deal gently with him for the king's sake because this was the mindset of that soldier this was the mindset of the king a head issue does not have to become a heart issue a head issue does not have to become a heart issue being maimed in the thought processes of our mind doesn't have to give birth to adulteries and fornication and murders that come forth from our heart Let me tell you, everybody had their opinion about Absalom. All had seen what he had done, the actions that he had committed, the fruitfulness, if you will, of his thought processes. There are a lot of people that's frustrated with Absalom. There are a lot of probably people forming groups and forming their opinions about Absalom. Many had already lost their patience with Absalom. Many already lost their patience with Absalom. Because time had been spent on Absalom, energy had been spent on Absalom, expense had been expended upon Absalom because of all these shenanigans that Absalom tried to pull off. But everything that had been done by Absalom didn't directly affect any of them except the king. It might have indirectly affected them, but none of them had a direct impact upon them except the king. His father. And so that's the reason why David says as king. He said for my sake. He said deal gently. With a young man. When you see his head caught. Don't count him out. When you see his head caught. Don't finish him off. Because. Although he's done what he's done. I have a feeling. That just because his thoughts or his head is caught in a direction. Doesn't mean that he can't be brought down from that tree. And order his steps in a due direction. 
I'm asking this congregation today. Absalom was around 29 years old whenever he died. I'm asking today how many 29-year-old Absaloms could have been spared if somebody didn't take their head, their thought issue, and make it a heart issue? We can criticize the failures of others so severely that what they could have recovered from will pose to them as an impossibility. What I'm saying is it's quite possible Absalom could have came down from the tree. If he had the proper help, he could have got out of the tree. His head could have become uncaught. From the tree. He could have maybe become a respectable person in the kingdom among the people. Perhaps even a leader. He was next even to be king. He could have. But because an observer or onlooker said, no, his head's caught. So we might as well take this head issue and make it a heart issue. And put three darts through there. And just go on and call in the pallbearers and the mourners. Because he can't make it because his head's caught. Let me ask you this. How many times have you already died then because your head's been caught in this lifetime? Why any of us sitting here this morning if a caught head already designates then disaster for us living for God? I believe... The voice of heaven today is this, that God would much see, much rather see people struggle and blunder in their thoughts under the umbrella of the church any day than beyond the church's reach. That's not me standing up here giving us a license just to be lewd and crude in our thought processes. But what that is, is me throwing out a blanket of grace that says when it does happen, I'd rather it happen here where he can touch you rather than outside these four walls and we just go and hold your funeral. Folks, if every stray thought, if every mind, if every head issue is to condemn a person to death, to condemn a person with life, per se, without the king, then we all are in some grave danger and certain disappointment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Look at 4 now. In whom... The God of this world hath blinded the minds. Did you catch that? Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul testifies that the God of this world has blinded the minds. The brains, the thoughts of them which believe not, or if I may, of them that would believe. 
We live in a society this morning that is caught by their heads. They're caught by their minds. They're strung between heaven and between earth. And I'm asking the church this morning, please, will somebody see the potential in those that are hanging there by their heads? Will somebody please not write them off because they're yet alive? They're yet alive. They're immobilized, yes, but they're yet alive. And if someone would deal gently with them, if somebody would aid them, then they could live beyond where they are presently living. It's just the, 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 if you will, the environment and the culture, the society that they live in, that the God of this world has blinded the mind. The God of this world has captured their thought processes. Look what Paul said in verse 6 of the same chapter. He said, for God, who commanded the light, to shine out of darkness. Do you understand how great and, and marvelous that is? He would command light to shine out of darkness. Has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He said the God that commanded light of darkness, that same God is the God then that shines light into where? Where does he shine it into? He shines it into our hearts. Now, dear Dr. Patterson said this. Our hearts have a little brain. And what we are not common to understand is this. Is that it talks more to our brain up here than this brain up here talks to our heart. And so if the God of this world has captured the mind. If the God of this world has captured the brain. The God of the universe has captured the heart. And the God of the universe that captures the heart is sending more signals to where the God of this world has captured the brain. And so we cannot have but success in this matter. Someone say amen. See, while Absalom was dealing with a head issue, Joab came along and made it a heart issue. But Paul says, while they are dealing with head issues, amen, he said, preach Christ Jesus the Lord. He says, you're going to shine into their hearts, and that knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ is going to enter there. He says, for that matter, then, we preach Jesus Christ, because the God who commanded the light out of the darkness can command the light into a darkened heart. Hallelujah. So we preach preach Jesus and by preaching Jesus we're helping get the light to where the light needs to be so a head issue does not have to become a heart issue and we can be victorious in this endeavor what do I do every time on Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday I preach Jesus I preach Jesus why you do that brother McGee why does the Bible say that by the fullness of preaching amen that they will be saved because when we preach Jesus the same light that was brought out of darkness is sent back into the darkness of a heart and when it shines there it sends signals to this brain that is captivated by the world in so much that there's an alteration a change a manifestation of something glorious and the thoughts that were a Stray, come back in alignment. The thoughts that are evil turn back toward good. But I might be caught by my head and fought by my heart, but God is shining upon the heart today.
Brother Mason, if you can come this morning. We stand here today. Head caught, heart caught. verse of scripture in there that interests me. I don't have it up there. You guys can get it if you want to. Verse 13 of 2 Samuel 18. Verse 13. Whenever this soldier is speaking to Joab about why he's not going to do anything concerning taking the life of Absalom that's caught by his head. He states these words. He says, otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against my own life. He said, if I, if I did that to Absalom, if, 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 I, if I took his head issue and made it a heart issue, he said, I would wrought falsehood against my own life. For there is no matter hid from the king. And thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. He said, if I did that, you'd been standing on the other side. Yeah, I can't believe he did that. But when he says, I would have wrought falsehood against my own life, you know, there's something, a sense in that soldier, soldier's voice that he understands. He says, Absalom's caught by his head today, but I might be the one that's caught by my head tomorrow. And if I'm willing to make his head issue a hard issue today, who's going to then make my head issue that I could be set free from, that I'm still yet living, that someone will make that my heart issue tomorrow? He said, no, no, no. We can't do that. we got to deal gently with him. Not because you think it's the right thing to do, but because the king said, you do that for my sake, because that's my son. Here's the fact of the matter. You can be out of fellowship and communication. Let's look at it on a natural plane. You can be out of fellowship and communication with your natural father. But he's still your father. Let's go a step further. You might even be disinherited by your natural father. But he's still your father. What we have in society today is God just has a lot of disinherited children. But they're still his children. They were born of the water and the spirit. Absalom was away for uh, three years at one time. Never even seen the face of his father. Wasn't in his presence to have any of that. But it didn't change the relationship that it was still his dad. Probably got no inheritance, would never had the throne room in that, in that type of scenario. But it didn't change the relationship. So Paul says, we get the light in the heart. We do this. You can read it there in 2 Corinthians 4. We do this by preaching Jesus. And so what Paul was saying here, if I may, God of this world is blind to the minds. Society is caught by their heads through their thought processes. It's just a parallel with the tree. I know there's a literal thing of absolute of his head in the tree, but I've kind of brought it to a spiritual level here of us being caught by our heads or caught by our thoughts in a compromising place. Paul says, though, instead of putting three darts as Joab did in their heart, 
He says, we're going to preach Jesus. And we're going to show him the three nails that were in Jesus' body. Interesting enough, Absalom rode on a mule. Jesus, on his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, rode on a donkey. Both were caught by a tree, one by his head, the other by his heart. Absalom's head caught hold of a tree. But at Calvary, Jesus' heart caught hold of a tree too because he knew the propensity of man being caught by their heart. So don't allow your head issue to become a heart issue when Jesus' heart issue was for your head issue. Don't allow society's head issue to become a heart issue when Jesus' heart issue of being caught to a tree was to take care of their head issue. Folks, deal gently with them for his sake. Their head may be caught, but their heart's being fought. And what we need today is someone just to proclaim Jesus. We bow our heads all across this place. We just need somebody to proclaim Jesus. The light that came out of the darkness needs to go back into the dark recesses of the heart and communicate to the mind and give us victory. If you're sitting here this morning and you have been defeated in your own mind, if you're sitting here today and you've been defeated in your own mind, you have been strong by your thoughts between heaven and earth, You've been strong by your thoughts through what is right, through uh, between what is wrong. I'm here to tell you today there's hope for you. There is still life in you. You're well alive and living. We just need to somehow figure out how we can get your head and your thought processes uncaught. Uncaught. Hallelujah. We're not standing here today willing to put any daggers in your heart to make anything that's a head issue a heart issue here this morning. No, we want to be we want to be the interrupting factor between your head and between your heart this morning so it never reaches that degree because we understand that there is hope for you. And the king and the king whose child that you are today is saying deal gently with them. Deal gently with them for my sake. Deal gently with them for my sake. You need to find an altar of prayer today. If your mind has been taken in a direction that it need not go, if you find out of those fifty to 70,000 thoughts you have a day, there's things that start to bombard your mind that you're struggling with, listen this morning. Find a way to shake yourself loose from that tree and find an altar of prayer. Amen. Because Christ was already caught by a tree by his heart so he could take care of your head issues, so he could take care of your thought issues. These altars are open this morning would somebody come today amen as a church thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day